Hello, listeners. An editor's note before we begin the episode. We had a technical problem recording one of the audio tracks for our co-hosts in this episode. If this is your first time listening to Focus, please do not assume this is the usual audio quality we record at. This was an accident. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode 191 of the Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown. And I'm joined this week by our regular co-hosts, Tori Wassenaar. Hello, Tori. Hello, hello. And Rosalie, the little record girl. Hello, Rosalie. Hello. So we've just had an Indie World presentation this year, so we'll spend a little while talking about that. And then we're going to be talking about Chrono Cross, Bug Snacks, and one of the Deponia games. Maybe yeah, all of them? Just the first one. <laughs> just the first one. Okay. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump right in. Yeah, so what did everyone think about the um, presentation overall? It was good. I wasn't real excited about anything in particular, but there were many things that I could imagine myself playing. I'm already too particular with what sort of games I like, and indie doesn't always scratch that itch. And uh, this is one of those cases where nothing stood out at all, sadly. Nothing bad, just nothing in my tastes. You sadden me, Tori. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do, Andrew. I think sometimes when it comes to a lot of indie games, there's like trends that kind of appear. So it feels like we're seeing a lot of the same thing we've either, we've either already seen or it's kind of mirroring something that's been already done really well in a AAA setting. So sometimes you're like, oh, okay. Well, sometimes even in a indie setting, like first up we had Ooblets, that creature collection slash farm sim that also had business sim and minigames it was a mess of a game i couldn't really tell what to make of it there was a lot going on but my main thing whenever i see a farm sim anymore is like we already have stardew valley why do we need anything else <laughs> yeah well also wasn't when they originally announced it um for like um steam and everything wasn't it meant to be an epic store game only so i guess if that's not a thing anymore <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> I don't pay attention to PC exclusivity. Yeah, it does. It, it, I remember seeing it before. Um, it does seem cute, but even literally last night I was playing Stardew Valley again. So, um, yeah, I'm not too bothered. Um, if it ever goes on sale for like really cheap, then I'll probably like get it and um, just see what it's about. But I'm not. It doesn't seem like something I'll get on day one. Just from the video, it was very active there's a lot of shapes moving around and lots of little creatures running everywhere it just looked like a lot to keep track of i i guess i i prefer simpler games i think yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of games on the switch already that are doing what that does already mm. well to be honest yeah i mean we've got you got new horizons and you got stardew valley and they do what they do very very well so i'd probably much rather play them yeah i'm probably going to avoid any game that smacks you in the face with the the, the concept of choice paralysis because <laughs> i will just not get anything done I'll, I'll play around with it and go look at all these cool things i can do what should i do and then not do any of them yeah that sounds familiar it's <laughs> <laughs> the reason i don't play ubisoft games anymore ubisoft games are simple you just go to the next icon on the map <laughs> yeah, you're not making choices you're just following icons around that's all an ubisoft yeah, but game you look is. at that mini map you have to find the icon you want out of like 
a hundred within a square meter. That's a weird way to play them. I just go to the nearest one. <laughs> or like in Assassin's Creed, was it Assassin's Creed Two, where you have like like hundreds of feathers. <laughs> oh, you don't have to screw no. those things <laughs> but they're there and you see them and you're like oh i might as well i don't think i ever did no i definitely never did not the feathers i did everything else in assassin's creed too but i didn't <laughs> do the feathers you give me a map that shows me where the feathers are at i will collect the feathers otherwise screw you yeah now second up on the indie world presentation was batora lost haven an action rpg that uh was rather admirably not hiding uh, the rather low resolution this game is running at on Switch. I, I appreciated them for being that honest about it. Didn't look like uh, anything too special. You know, just a a sci-fi setting and a top-down, almost third-person perspective and an action RPG, you know, <laughs> whatever that means. Showed lots of dialogue options. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me a bit of Kingdoms of Amor, which is also on the Switch. It looked really pretty. But again, it's not something that I got kind of... There is a couple of things I got excited about, but that wasn't, that wasn't it. If uh, the resolution was better, I probably would be more interested in this. I'd, I'd probably play this on Xbox, but I, I've spent a long time on Switch playing soft visual games, like especially like Witcher 3, which Witcher 3 is great. I recommend anybody who wants to play it on Switch should. But I'm just kind of past the point now where unless it's a game like Witcher 3, that's just a amazing technological accomplishment if it looks like that on switch i'm just i'm not gonna play it yeah that's unfair. pretty colors that's my takeaway from this it did have a distinct color palette lots of pinks and purples were sticking out to me from my memory maybe hopefully i'm remembering the right trailer <laughs> that's probably why i remember it it was like a penguin man i remember the penguin i think it's a penguin i hope it's a penguin generic bird man yeah uh the third game was a highlight for me it was elec head which is a you know, it's a retro platformer, so of course it caught my attention. <laughs> this one's a, a puzzle platformer where you play as a little robot with a battery for a head, and when you touch certain objects in the environment, then it will power the object up, and if it might be an elevator, it might be a conveyor belt, it moves back and forth. And you can detach and throw your head to activate the objects, and that's how all those puzzles work. Uh, made by a solo developer, I'm always interested to play games that were made by a single person, speaking of Stardew Valley. Uh, Nama Takahashi, who originally made it for a game design class where the assignment was flow. That just really caught my attention because it has a lot of things that I love to see. Solo developed, retro platformer, puzzle platformer. Sign me up. I think he also mentioned in the showcase that he did this, he then carried on with it after he graduated. Can you imagine Mm. graduating from a game course and thing you're working on is then shown in a nintendo showcase like that's quite a uh, really amazing feat so if this is his first thing and it's getting shown in a nintendo showcase then what else is he gonna do but yeah i really like this i really like the color palette it has like a game boy color kind of aesthetic yeah i had very like four colors i think i counted the entire game uses four bit very smart yeah <laughs> yeah this is one of the few standouts for me as well um, simple's just great sometimes. All the time. Really clear communication to the player, what what does what and how. That simple color palette makes it really easy to read in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I probably will end up getting this one. I like a good puzzle platformer. Dang right you will. <laughs> <laughs> really cute mascot as well. Yeah, I could see plushies. 
kind of remind me of a uh, mighty number no. nine kind of reminded me of that one <laughs> maybe i shouldn't mention that game yeah that's not good that's not a good uh, comparison <laughs> <laughs> maybe a mighty gunvolt burst character from that i had like a a, a lo-fi cave story vague aesthetic when i saw it yeah a bit, bit mm-hmm. of a chibi, it made me a bit of chibi robo as well. Yeah. But yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite, this is the one that I was, I was really keen on, um, from the get go. Doesn't what, what was the release date on it? Do you remember? I wrote it down. Uh, Q3, so out in fall, hopefully, or no, summer, 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 summer. Well, <laughs> I, I tried to write Q3 because I know we're, we all have different seasons where we are. But yeah, so it's uh, your summer, my winter. I'm in Scotland, so perpetually winter. It's always winter. Mm-hmm. It's in winter three. From from June to September, we'll hopefully see it. Yep. And next up, we had Soundfall, which is a rhythm dungeon crawler slash action RPG slash looter shooter where you uh, play the game in rhythm with the electronic music soundtrack that, from what little of the sound list I could see, appears to be music licensed from electronic indie artists there's 140 songs which is nothing to sniff at um but I'm, I'm not really sure exactly how the game works i just know you play it in rhythm with the beat of the music and there's like a little sensor on the screen that shows you the beat it looks a lot like how crypt of the necrodancer and cadence of hyrule works but you don't actually move the character it looks like you just fire your weapon in time to the beat it wasn't clear from the trailer yeah i, th- I think you're right but it, lo- it looked cool i definitely caught my attention on this one and it's available now and of course i haven't bought it because <laughs> <laughs> i have too many other games i'm playing right now but if i were to have bought one of the ones that were available right away this would have been the one that i would have got so the crazy thing is is that i had this idea for a game many years ago um back when i was dabbling a little (laughs) bit more in game dev like this exact idea so it's kind of cool to see it in fruition to see if it would actually work uh it looks like it does um the thing that put me off though was the fact that they were toting like this like 200 different items to mix and match and play to your style and i'm (laughs) like no that's that choice paralysis thing i i can't I don't like min-maxing things. I just want to push buttons and things happen. <laughs> when I play looter shooters or, you know, Diablo-style games or Borderlands-style games, I never pay attention to that stuff. If the numbers are green, if the numbers are higher than what I had equipped, I equip it and I move on. I don't pay attention to anything else. That's how I play Diablo, and it's a surprisingly yeah. fun game that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm weirdly... I love music rhythm games. I'm really good at them. Um hmm don't know if it's because i have a music background or not but when it comes to these things i'm really bad at them i like either focusing on the music rhythm stuff or the fight like or the fights the battles when they're combined i'm a bit like uh, what do i do uh. um because i tried to play the cadence of hyrule um again because i love zelda and i just couldn't get into it hmm. so i just have a feeling if i tried this i'd just be really bad then <laughs> it's really hard i've got a background yeah. in drumming so the only way that i can consistently do well is to have the controller on my knee and bob my knee so i'm pushing the buttons kind of like through <laughs> uh, inertia whatever works because you, you can kind of turn that off in your brain if you if you have a, a sort of sense of rhythm that yeah bobbing of your knee you just kind of turn it into a metronome that that worked for me hopefully that works for someone else as well yeah i, just, I don't know what it is i 
I, I can Guitar Hero Expert, five star all the songs. Uh, I play Demo, which is in the Switch as well. I can do that on the hard difficulty, but when it's it combines the music rhythm and fighting, I just can't get into it. Uh, I just find it really frustrating. So, but it does look it does look very pretty, um, and I like that it maybe um elevating some musicians and bands and stuff these songs might get popular off the back of it so that's good yeah that would be very good 140 is massive yeah it's a good track list for a game like this although i do wonder if we get it on another platform especially steam if we could actually import our own music into it i wonder if that's a feature but i wouldn't expect that to be available on switch no that would be cool yeah maybe dlc but um, mm. beats per minute is really the only thing. That, that is a feature of one of my favorite games, Viv Ribbon, if you remember that from back in the day. I remember the name. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a, I don't know if it's blasphemous to talk about PlayStation on a Nintendo podcast, but uh, you would... It would it's take... just blasphemous to talk about Sony products, period. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a PS1 game, and you, um, you were a little wire rabbit, and you could actually pop open while you were playing it the disc tray and put in whatever CD you wanted, and it would actually generate hmm. levels to whatever music you were playing. And I was a... I think I played a lot of Green Day... <laughs> <laughs> which was, yeah, when it, late 90s. Uh, but it was so, Ooh. so cool. And I'm actually secretly hoping we'll get like a, a new version that might be in the Switch one day because there's a lot of like a really niche fan base for it. But it is a really cool feature when it's implemented well. And next up we had Wild Frost, which is a deck builder uh, from a new developer I don't recall hearing about before, but that doesn't mean they aren't, don't have games out already on Switch. Uh, but the publisher was Chucklefish, and usually when Chucklefish is publishing a game, that's a, a good sign. They have a good eye for quality. Deck Builder really themed around winter environments and, like, the enemies. Like, one of the enemies they showed was a penguin army, and they're polar bears and other Arctic-themed magical creatures. It look, looked cute, but I, I don't think this uh, excited anybody, any one of us. No, it, it just <laughs> yeah. looked a lot the same we can already have mm. i like the artwork but again it was just like i think this is when i kind of my eyes started to wander a little bit when this one popped up me too but to be fair it was just past midnight so <laughs> that's a good excuse <laughs> it didn't help <laughs> no. and the next up we had totally accurate battle simulator tabs which is going to be out again in q3 uh it's a physics-based strategy battle thing where all the characters are like made out of like gelatin so they can barely hold themselves up and you, you just make two armies and point them at each other and just press go and they just fight and hurl themselves at each other it looks weird it looks like a physics game first and foremost uh didn't really understand what the goal of the game was is this just a sandbox chaos game where you just make stuff and have fun or is their campaign because I, I know tabs has been out on other platforms for a while and it does have online multiplayer for whatever that means for what you do in the game but i i just i didn't really get a sense of what we actually what the goal of the game is from what they showed in this presentation it really just looked like a real-time battle simulator with really funny ragdoll physics mm. um I, I remember playing the totally accurate battle royale i think it was called 
not 100% sure it's the same developer, but it looks identical. Uh, with the name, I would be very surprised if it wasn't the same. <laughs> um, it was funny because it was a first-person shooter, but with the ragdoll physics, the camera was attached to the head. Oh, So it wow. was very nauseating. <laughs> I oh. bet, yeah. Um, that almost sounds like a joke game. It, it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is, too. It's kind of taking, like, a fairly serious genre i guess you'd say serious mm -hmm. and just adding like pratfalling sort of comedy physical comedy yeah like a it. slapstick slapstick yeah yeah it looks like um, it's taking the piss from everything basically yeah like like a parody yeah. of like the civ games and things yeah i think i can't remember the name of the game but there was a game where you could just have battle simulators like Spartans versus modern soldiers and stuff like that. Um, this just looks like that, but it's goofy. Mm, silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of which, based on the, the hardware it's running on, and since it's all physics-based, I wonder what the limitations are with the Switch version. Like, I'm sure on the PC you could do a scale of, of pretty much whatever you want, depending upon how powerful your rig is. Whereas on the on the Switch, I, I really am wondering what the limitations they put in place. Because it didn't look like the resolution was lowered too much. It didn't look like it was a, you know, a, a low-effort Switch port visually. So I, I do have to wonder how well the game is running if you flood the screen with... 200 soldiers on each side i'd be interested to see how the um internet connection holds up something <laughs> oh, like that. that that too it also like appears that it's almost like one of those games that's designed to be streamed mainly because mm. it's like haha funny and if you had playing with your friends but it doesn't seem like something i would enjoy playing on my own i think it, it feels like it's something that needs to have an audience to be fully enjoy the kind of the physics of it. I, I'd agree with you there. It does look like it's going after the. This would be funny to watch X streamer play and react to. Yeah, which there's nothing nothing wrong with, and it's just another type of game to make. But I, I'm like, I'm just wondering, like again, if there's no campaign, like how much, how much gameplay would you really put into it? the novelty might wear off like really fast yeah yeah a friend of mine a really talented and smart writer his name's matt paprocki he wrote about sea of thieves the kind of game it is it's it's the kind of game you play and the kind of game you stream and all anybody knows about it is the five minute clip you took out of your five hours of playtime where something really fun happened so everybody else has fun watching that five minute clip whereas you had to put in five hours of just utter boredom just to get that clip. So yeah. I'm kind of worried that's the kind of game that Tabs is. Just a lot of work for everybody else to have 30 seconds of fun. Uh, there is a campaign, but, mm -hmm. or rather campaigns. So it doesn't look like it's like a story mode. It really is just a series of battles. And you got to kind of like design a soldier that can win it. Yeah. Um, it can also yeah. make your own campaigns. It really does seem more like a sandbox. Well, some people really like that stuff, like like Minecraft, the biggest game in the world. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I just prefer more structure to my games. Speaking of which, the next game looks like it has a lot of structure. It's called Gunbrella. It's from the publisher, not the developer. The publisher is Devolver Digital, and you know if Devolver Digital is publishing it, it's going to be a weird game. They specialize in weird games. 
It's a noir punk action adventure and a side-scrolling retro platformer. And the main character is armed with something. Is it a gun? Is it an umbrella? You can't tell. It's a gunbrella. <laughs> it shoots bullets, and when you open it up, it's a shield because it's a video game umbrella. And video game umbrellas are magic. They're made out of steel, but you can float with them somehow. <laughs> Uh, it might be an adventure platformer, you know, a Metroid-style game. It might be level-based. It wasn't clear from the trailer, but this caught my attention. This is probably be something that I will play, but it's not out till next year. So an early announcement for this as far as a, an Indie World presentation goes. They usually only announce games that are fairly close to release. Yeah, this is the one that I really, really like the look of as well. The sprite work on it is really, really pretty. And it just mm -hmm. looked, the, the humor in the trailer, it just looked... It looked like there's like a really cool story going on, and I'm like, yeah, I can, I think this is something that they may get. Yeah, no, this, yeah, this is probably the main one out of all the games in the showcase. I was like, yeah, this looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely got Andrew vibes from it when I saw it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm glad I'm so predictable. <laughs> I mean, I saw it and I'm like, hasn't Andrew talked about this? Um, <laughs> no. Probably not my sort of thing, but... It looked good. Devolver usually are involved in solid games, but... Um, I've never played a Devolver game I've hated. Like, I, yeah. I've loved every game they've played, but I don't think they've ever published a bad one. No, but um, there's still the, just the, the genre and vibe thing. It just didn't mm -hmm. click with me personally. And next up we had We Are OFK, uh, which is an indie pop-focused narrative game based on a, a real-life indie pop band OFK. It includes interactive music videos that you play in between story sequences where you follow a member of the band as they try to live their life in LA being a member of this band while working a full-time job and having what looks like a very rigorous commute and it's going to be released episodically over a number of weeks they didn't say how many episodes but you know prepare yourself for that if you're interested it looks like an interesting experiment in game delivery hmm. um we're just talking about something like this in um when we're talking about satellavi doing like episodic gaming over weeks rather than like four or five months where you've forgotten everything i really like the concept as well it's kind of genius that if you're already in a band that you make like a fictionalized game based on your band it's very very clever marketing um, and it, it's something I wish I kind of thought of myself, actually, and kind of like watching it. I was like, oh, man, that's kind of genius. And I quite like visual novel type things. So I think this is something that I'm going to keep an eye on. But yeah, I, w I wish I came up with this idea. It's, it's really clever. Yeah, it had a good visual style and I, I liked some of the music that was in it. This could be something I could see myself playing and enjoying, but it uh, didn't land out as a highlight for me of the presentation. Yeah, I think it's a keep an eye on it for me as well. Um stuff like this it's all gonna hinge on if i like the music or not i think like with sayonara wild hearts and then we had silt a side-scrolling puzzle adventure out in june uh you play as this little diver in a hand-drawn monochromatic kind of chiaroscuro world and you've got to dive down into places uh, actually they didn't really say what the goal was but you uh, can possess sea creatures to solve puzzles to open paths forward uh, i was reminded a lot of echo the dolphin looking at some of these visuals like echo the dolphin meets limbo yeah yeah, yeah. that's a 
probably a better way of pitching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I had that kind of silhouette, um, creepy art style to it. I can't play anything that's set underwater. I hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> so Subnautica is a total no then. <laughs> I really want to play it because it looks like something I'd enjoy, but yeah, I'm going to go purple playing that. <laughs> oh, forget holding your breath. Subnautica was the scariest game I played in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no sea monsters for me. Thank you. Yeah, I've got I've got a fear of swimming in the ocean, so I can, I can understand that. <laughs> And then we had Mini Motorways, which is another game that was released the same day as the presentation, so you can get it now if you're interested, which is a traffic management simulator based on a, a mobile game that's been on iPhones for a while. Any interest in this from anyone? Absolutely. Um, hmm. What was the other one called? Mini Metro? Where you, you did the train lines? Sure. <laughs> um, I'll take your... Uh, I'll just assume you're correct. <laughs> cool. Mini Metros was the same thing as this. This is um, building highways to just uh, manage traffic around a little town. Um, but mm. the visual style is kind of like an actual map. Like in Mini Metro, yeah. the visual style was based off an actual New York subway map. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I'm remembering the game you're talking about now. I still don't remember the title, though. <laughs> I'm very sure it's Mini Metro. Hmm. Um, and this just looks like a, a more dynamic version of that. Uh, trains are bound to rails. Cars aren't bound to roads necessarily. So it's a bit more open. Well, you hope they stay on the road anyway, but that's kind of out of your control. Yeah. <laughs> like, trains are back and forth on the one line. Cars can go on any road, you know. That I guess that's more what I mean. Um, so it's different problem solving, basically. And the visual style is just smooth and easy to read and i'm always a fan of that yeah that was something that caught my eye as well it's very clean very crisp i like the kind of again another one i like the color palette of uh but i don't think it's something i would personally play but i really like the look of it and then we had wayward strand out july 21st it's a real-time narrative adventure uh i should emphasize real time that you play the game in uh it's set in a flying hospital in rural Australia, and you play as a teen journalist who's snooping around the patients and staff's business. And since the game is played in real time, if you want to follow a particular person's story, then you have to be, you know, at the next place to eavesdrop or have a conversation with them or just however you are approaching that part of the story. That gives the game a lot of replayability because, you know, you'd have to replay the game, I would assume, more than two times, probably three plus, to see everybody's story. And maybe that's actually worked into the gameplay. Maybe that's just something you can do if you feel like it. But I like the premise. I thought it looked like a cool game. This was a big yes for me. I probably will play this as soon as it comes out. I, I thought this one was interesting because considering it's being advertised in the Nintendo showcase that no one seemed to mention that the core gameplay is basically Majora's Mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. You have a journal that fills up as you meet characters that kind of remind mm. you of places to go and that kind of actually put me off of it a little bit because it seems like <laughs> it just took that and the real timeness. It's kind of like Majora's Mask meets Harriet the Spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um... Majora's Mask is like one of my favorite games ever, so I was like, yeah, but it, I don't know. The art style again is really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really clean, simple lines and just those nice 
pastel colors. I'd be kind of worried it's set in a hospital that it's going to be one of those games that has a lot of feels, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I would be surprised if several people didn't die over the course of this game. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in rural Australia. <laughs> I already put off playing as it's Spirit Favor because the trailer makes me cry. <laughs> oh, Spiritfarer is great. It was I one know. of the best games of 2020. Yeah, 2020. I really want to play it, but the trailer can make me sob. I'm like, I'm not emotionally <laughs> ready right now. Um, so this is this a hospital-based thing that isn't like, you know, theme hospital-related. I'm like, oh no, oh no. I saw a lot of my Twitter followers really excited for this one. So I was really, I, I don't know if this was previously announced somewhere. But, First I had heard of it. Yeah, me too. Not really my thing. Um, the only comment I really had on it was, it's really weird hearing Australian accents and things. Can you can you tell if they're authentic? They're, they're real Australian accents. Okay, good, good, good. Um, it's just weird because <laughs> you're so used to like the fake Australian accents that people do. And then when you hear a real one, you're, you're like, hang on. <laughs> Oi, Mr. Prime Minister. Mr. Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, no, I know I know that feeling. How many like really bad Scottish oh. accents you hear in video games still even to this very day, despite the very plentiful amount of Scottish actors and voice actors that exist, it boggles the mind. Uh but yeah, I can relate on that. How did you survive on the internet after Pokemon Sword and Shield came out and it was like a meme for on for a while on TikTok oh. for people to I, do the, the Scottish accent for the female PC. <laughs> I was, I'm going to lie, I was a bit raging. Yeah. <laughs> Went to the Scots for being angry. Um, no, my friend who is a really well-known uh, journalist, uh, Chris, uh, he did, he was so angry about it that he actually made authentic dubs of the character. <laughs> and I was like, I was so thankful because... There was a lot of people that would cosplay the, the girl at conventions and stuff, and they'd bring a bottle of Iron Brew, and then they'd go on stage in the masquerade and try and do a Scottish accent, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I mean, you, you still get people that shout freedom in your face when you tell them where you're from and stuff, so I was like, oh, this is just another layer. <laughs> Why? And even like famous Scotsman Mel Gibson. Even like League of Legends has a more recent character that's Scottish that's voiced by someone that is clearly not Scottish. So I don't understand why it keeps happening. But the Pokemon thing was a bit of a, a tipping point. I'm not gonna lie. When you hear fake Australian accents and stuff, it sounds more New Zealander because <laughs> they they put too much emphasis in the vowels. If they're not just outright doing an English accent. Yeah, sometimes it'll slip into English. How did this Cockney person get into Australia? <laughs> <laughs> Why did they get lost on the way home from the pub? Anyway, we anyway. got a little off track there. Yeah. <laughs> Complaining about accents. After I quoted a Simpsons episode with notoriously bad accents, but that's part of the joke. It's fine. Anyway. Uh, Australians <laughs> love that episode, by the way. I know. It's a great episode. They, everyone's like, funny. oh, Australia hated us for it. It's like, no, we we wanted to, we had a petition to call our money dollary dues. We love that episode. <laughs> it was Brazil that was offended by its uh, portrayal on The Simpsons. Oh, no. <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> it's funny because again, like um, Willie, Willie from The Simpsons, like people, people love him here. 
there's, there's like an ep- there's an episode where they go try and find the Loch Ness monster and they find like a, a raft that says Aberdeen sucks and Homer goes no way Aberdeen rules and because my entire family and myself from Aberdeen we were like yeah um, so we just we just like let Hank Azara do you know we let him off with that one we think he's pretty cool I have gotten really uncomfortable watching The Simpsons on Disney Plus uh, it did seem like whenever they had to get you know, funny foreign person, they went straight to Hank Azaria. And I got, once I recognized it was him doing every single voice, I got really uncomfortable. (laughs) Anyway, next up, Cult of the Lamb, a randomly generated action adventure slash community management sim where you play as a lamb who is either the leader or the icon of a cult. And you have to go and fight monsters in a dungeon to get resources and bring it back out to support your cult. Uh, big yes for me on this one. It looks super dark, probably even a little wrong in its humor. And <laughs> I was all over it. It reminded me of The Binding of Isaac. Yeah, uh, Talking of 90s cartoons, this reminded me of that Surf Park episode with the festive critters that are like in a oh, yeah, satanic yeah, yeah. cult mm-hmm. that had a bit of that going on, which is kind of funny. God, that's a throwback. Woodland Critter Christmas. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that was Cartman's story, wasn't it? It was his Christmas story, yes. Yeah. Which uh, we don't need to get into the details of that story because it's, no. it's not related. Being Cartman, it's super anti-Semitic. But anyway, <laughs> I, I definitely see where you're coming from there. And 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 the woodland critters themselves, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just hilariously cute and bloodthirsty and murderous, which is which is legitimately funny. <laughs> yeah, um, in this game, just just oozed that a little bit for me but i feel like the art style again is really quite cool i don't remember this one that much it kind of had almost like uh i don't know the official term but like a paper mario kind of feel to some of the bits of the actual maps and things and it was very mm-hmm. vibrant and the, the the color scheme is very kind of perfect for the kind of game it is lots of reds lots of uh it's just it just looked really funky it looked like a good game to play around halloween time which is hopefully when it will launch. It's supposed to be out this year. They didn't give it a, a, oh. a quarter. They just said 2022. It's like, okay. But I do like these kind of games, and I'm, I'm getting better at actually finishing them because for a long time, uh, as, we, as we discussed when we talked about Dicey Dungeons a few back, I, I got into the habit of buying these kind of games but never actually finishing them. I'm getting better at finishing them. So I, I wouldn't mind throwing this one on the pile because it, it looked like fun. And the next one uh, I think was the big highlight of... The presentation was Another Crab's Treasure, which is a crustacean-themed Souls-like, yeah, but it, it looked like it stood off enough on its own. It didn't just look like it was just copying Dark Souls like some of the other Souls clones out there have done. They used the words both challenging and approachable to describe it before quickly degenerating into game development memes, and there's over 50 different shells for your little hermit crab that you play as to collect and wear on their back and it looked like depending upon what shell you're wearing the crab might have different abilities that think that might be how it works or it might just be decorative i don't know but it it looked great with all the crustacean themed enemies like there's a a lobster you fight at one point that moves like a knight in armor it like jousts at you (laughs) that was that was clever i liked that uh big yes for me i i think I could speak for Andy and say he's super interested in this one too. Yeah, I'm I'm really bad at uh, Dark Souls and things. Although I will say for the record that when Elden Ring came out, 
I actually got further than people that were really good at Dark Souls games. I just got really bored <laughs> after a while. But this yeah. one looks this one looks really cute. I love like underwater themed kind of Little Mermaid's one of my favorite films. You know that kind of cutesiness, and I love the main little protagonist. I think apparently he's called Krill. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of fan art that appeared like instantly after this showcase for him, and they were super cute. And either either I don't play this personally, and I meet my partner who is very very good at Souls games uh, to play it, so I can watch it. Um, this one just looks adorable. I did like the, how they introduced this one as uh, we're giving the people what they want. Crabs. Well, yeah, because the developer is called Agro Crab. So they're going to have yeah. to make a crab game at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's just a double entendre there. Yeah. It looks interesting. Uh, Souls Likes are definitely not my sort of game. And I've tried them. But uh, this one seems... Well, they outright said it's more approachable. Um, I'll probably mm. just keep an eye on it, see what people are saying about it before jumping in myself. And I like Souls Likes, but I don't like them as much as everybody else seems to like them, or most people seem to like them. I don't, I don't lose my head over them. Like I, I got Elden Ring too, and I played it, and it's like it's fine. I don't know why everybody's acting like it's the greatest thing ever made it's 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 dark souls on a really big map that that's what it is but <laughs> i didn't lose my head over it but this had other things going on in it that caught my attention it looks like it has more of a platforming element like there looks like there's like a hookshot tool you can use to get over some gaps so maybe there'll be a a little more interesting world progression than other souls likes have had in the past i'm I, i'm interested to see a souls like that's trying something different versus grim dark knights dying over and over and then we had the traditional sizzle reel which included one shot world machine edition out in quarter three uh i think of all the games in this presentation that is the one that i'm sitting here right now going which game was that <laughs> <laughs> uh gibbon beyond the trees which is like a physics-based platformer where you play as gibbons swinging through the trees and used really simple colors like each gibbon looks like it's made out of a single color it looked it looked really cool that's available now i'll probably play that at some point idol manager i-d-o-l you know like idol singer idol idol performer manager system game uh out august 25th card shark another one from devolver digital uh is a high stakes poker simulator in a fantasy world where you can like you can cheat at the game and seems more like it's as much a management game as it is a poker game a pre-order and demo available now curse to golf out in quarter three a side-scrolling golf puzzle game uh, I, I usually like golf games and i like the golf games that have more of a supernatural element to them this one looked looked good sounds like other people were interested in this one yeah, no, I, I played the demo on Steam because it was sadly not mm. available on the Switch. And I know one of the people in the studio, so I might be a little bit biased, but it's it was very, very, very fun, actually. I don't like golf games. My family are all golfers, uh, so maybe that's why. <laughs> but um, no, I thought this was... It, it was really fun, um, and it seems like a perfect Switch game. My only hang-up was the there's like a Phantom Scotsman um, that's like oh, in the course. game. 
and his uh, he only says like two Scots words, and I kind of I'm I'm really hoping like maybe just before launch someone goes full on and just makes his, all his dialogue in Scots. Uh, <laughs> but I I don't think that's going to happen. But no, the demo was really really fun, and I'm constantly checking when the release date is for this, and there's not one yet. So I'm like, this is a day one purchase for me. Cool. Yeah, that's out in Q3 too. So a couple more months. Yeah. Because we're almost done with Q2. Uh, a Guidebook of Babel out in Q4. And Opus Echo of Starsong Full Bloom Edition, which also launched alongside the presentation. I played Opus The Way We Found Earth, the first game in the Opus series. And I just I thought it was really boring. So I haven't played any of the other Opus games. But there's there's three of them on Switch now at this point, I think. And there was no last-minute surprise which was really disappointing. So, worst indie world ever. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, everyone was hoping for Silk Song. Is it Silk Song? The, um... yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I am resigned to... Uh, I don't think that's going to show up in an indie world. <laughs> yeah, With the hype be. that game has behind it, it'll be in a proper Nintendo Direct or it will be announced all by itself. I don't think we're going to see that in, in an indie world presentation but we talk about it every time we have an indie world presentation <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's move on to what we played this week tori you've been playing bug snacks i have no idea what this game is even though everybody is talking about it please describe it um all right uh that's a really good question bug snacks i believe this was originally a, a ps5 exclusive when it first came out around the launch um and it just recently came out on xbox pc and switch it's kind of it's like a monster collection game um there's no immediate threat to the player it's just about figuring out how to catch these bug snacks which are quite literally little bugs or critters based off uh snack foods uh including hamburgers fruits like um pineapples and strawberries and the like and even root vegetables like um carrots this island i can't remember the name of the island but uh these little guys called grumples which is like the i guess the main species in the world um they've gone to this island to explore and they find bug snacks, and when they eat these bug snacks, their limbs actually turn into the, the foods. Like, you give them one of the strawberry ones, and their hand turns into a strawberry. It's rather bizarre. So the goal of the game so far is just to search for these bug snacks, uh, try to collect them however you can, um, I'll get a little bit into the tools that I've collected so far and how to catch them. Um, but the, the other Grumple characters, there's a little bit of a backstory that happened before you came there. There was a, a settlement, I think it's Snacksburg off the top of my head. The main person, the main researcher has gone missing and the town kind of fell apart after that. So the goal so far, uh, I don't know if it's the whole game, is to basically just get all the, um, all the villagers back in, into the actual village, into the town. So that's one thing that always gets me hooked on a game is the having the game progress alongside with building a town. There's something about being able to see 
your progress like visually like that it's just very addictive and the way that you get these villages back is basically just kind of doing more or less fetch quests collecting specific bugs or or bug snacks or um there was one she wanted a particular hairstyle based off a of pineapple so i had to find the pineapple bug snacks and feed it to her and you get given a device where you get to choose where the for lack of a better word physical deformity happens and in this case it was her head to have the pineapple hair uh you're given a, a series of tools including you start off with the trap which is just quite literally you put a trap down and if it's if the bug snack is in with within range you just push the button to trap it and you have to physically pick it up within the time limit otherwise it breaks out uh, you get a slingshot. There are plants on this island that grow things like ketchup or mayonnaise or uh, chocolate. And you can use these to kind of lure the bug snacks to particular spots, including your traps or whatever you're doing. Um, there's one bug snack that's like a burger and it will just run at things and headbutt them and flip them over and stun them. And that might be your only way to collect them. Because uh, you're also given a net to catch them when they're in that state. And one that kind of caught me off um, guard. As in, I wasn't expecting it. You're given a little hamster ball with a bug snack in it. A little strawberry one. And a laser pointer. And you just point the laser pointer at where you want it to go and it'll chase it. Um, and you can cover it in the like the chocolate or the ketchup and use it as a moving bait. Which I thought was really cute. I'm only about two or three stages into the game so far. Uh, there's like a real-time element to it as well. Well, not real real-time, but, you know, each minute in game is equivalent to a second, or rather vice versa. So time goes pretty quickly, but it will affect what bug snacks you'll see or what tasks the characters are doing. There was one mission where you had to spy on someone between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. which is kind of creepy now that I say it out loud <laughs> it's got a lot of charm the the voice acting and the characters in this are it's really well done um it feels like a kid's show sort of thing like even the characters kind of look like Muppets uh I don't think that's I mean that's part of why I was kind of iffy on it I, I didn't know if it was a game for kids and I, I wouldn't get much out of it in terms of challenge but it's definitely a game that has its own challenge that I don't think it's exclusively for kids it's not a hard game by any means but it is a game that you know you put the effort into it and you get you know that feeling of uh, accomplishment I guess to use EA's words it's definitely worth checking out if you were off put by the, the art style being like kind of kitty don't worry about it i was really surprised that in like the first couple of minutes in one of the cutscenes, there's a a queer couple and it's not hinted at it's outright shown you know just like a kiss in the cheek sort of thing very obviously a gay couple or a lesbian couple i really thought i would have heard about that or something like a, a game for kids brainwashing them into the agenda but <laughs> no it really caught me off guard I, I i had to look it up i was like 
is one of these characters male and voiced by a female or something or but no apparently there's another gay couple in the in the game as well that, that that's literally what when people say normalize those sorts of things in media that's all, all we want is just don't make a big deal out of it just show it how it is in real life the other couple in it are really cute because it's a macho gym guy and like a nerdy scientist oh <laughs> so it's like playing off those tropes as well it's, it's really adorable i'm looking forward to that then <laughs> it's really endearing it's not a deep game by any means in terms of world building or anything but it is still fascinating and satisfying to explore the world and play around with the the tools that you're given to interact with the world it's really just like a nice relax i wouldn't say relaxation game it's a chiller game than say kingdom hearts 2 which uh, i have not been having fun with in lately so this has been a nice change of pace uh i'd recommend giving it a shot yeah it's 37 australian dollars premium indie price i'd say it's definitely worth that though I don't know how much time I've already spent in it. Maybe three or four hours. And it still feels like there's going to be backtracking. Um, not in a bad way, just in a, you get more tools and then you can kind of go back and uncover more stuff in the areas you've already cleared sort of way. I really like games that don't have a health bar or that kill you. Uh, I don't know if that'll change later, but so far the worst that's happened is one of those burgers headbutt me and launched me across the level. What's been your favourite bug snack so far? I can't remember the name of it. Um, it's a little popcorn, popcorn kernel. Oh, and you can't yeah. catch it until it catches on fire and pops. Mine was a Scoopy Banoopy, which is like a banana split. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. No, that, that's, uh, that's later on. I won't spoil anything else, but... Um, <laughs> They're just, it must have been so fun coming up with those name ideas. The burger one you were talking about is voiced by the same voice actor as Octodad from the developer's previous game. Oh, really? Uh, so the, yeah, so the fact that it's him going bunger, 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 I just thought was absolutely brilliant. And didn't you, you were, you said you're a Persona fan, right? Yeah, I, I've recognized yes. so many voices from yeah. Persona so far. So Philbo is, um, Philbo is Max one of my favourite characters. Middleman? Uh, yes, yep. yes. Uh, one of my favourite characters, Ryuji from Persona 5. And the second I like clocked that, I was like, oh, it was so giddy. Um, got such a good voice cast. Um, is it Befika? The second character you meet, I think? She's yeah. voiced by Cassandra Lee Morris, which is uh, Morgana in Persona 5. I wonder if there was a casting director person that was familiar there. <laughs> Lots of Persona people. But yeah, Bugsnax is absolutely brilliant. It's really cute. And you're lucky because the Switch version's got the DLC built into it. Oh, awesome. I didn't know there was DLC. Yeah, it was a free DLC pack. So I have the PS5 version, so I've still got to go back and play the DLC, but it, it's just built into the, um, the new port. So that's exciting. That's cool. The, the characters are very distinct as well from each other. Like that Bifika, she's very much the, the town gossip. Yeah. I just met a character who was... Uh, I don't know if you've played Deltarune. Yeah. But I was getting like 
sort of Spamton vibes from just how pushy he was with his sales technique. Oh, yeah. Oh, and if you go into his, his little house, I think you can find um, Octodad's tie. There's like little <laughs> Easter eggs from Octodad because it's like young horses. Um, oh, God. But I, I loved Bug Snacks uh, when it came out. It probably was my game of the year um, of that year. It's so fun. Um, I might even pick up the Switch version just to have it portably as well, to be honest. Well, it's also worth mentioning if you have an Xbox, it's on Game Pass, but Nintendo podcast, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that the we explored the town area and behind the mayor's house, he's, on his washing line, it's just a whole bunch of sashes that say mayor on it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just quite simply a charming game. It's not too demanding, but it still kind of requires some focus on it. It's not a game... like I like to play games where I have like a movie playing and and chill out and play a game. This is definitely a game where you're, you're probably a little bit more focused on what you're doing. It's a lot more timed. Um, when I was doing that mission where I had to see what that person was doing at 10pm, it was 9pm in the game and I just looked down at my phone and look back up at the screen like a couple of seconds later and he's gone <laughs> really cute i think this is a pretty family friendly game as well it just makes me hungry every time i play it because some of the food looks really nice you you got me a little more interested in it now that i actually know what the heck you do in it past <laughs> catch grasshoppers made out of celery uh <laughs> yeah that, i mean that's probably a thing i've um, seen the pictures <laughs> oh right there's there's boss fights as well Oh, really? Yeah, there's really, really well-designed boss fights that I was really impressed by. Um, so there was like a bit in it for everyone, I think. But it's all it's all about finding the different uh, bug snacks and just how funny the naming is and the different ways to catch them. It's brilliant. Uh, I'd actually be interested what you think when you complete the main storyline. Because it, it goes somewhere okay. really cool. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to play this to completion. I think you'd like it too, Andrew. From what I've played. Hmm. I mean, the main reason I played it is that when they first showed this game off, they had the theme song sung by Kerry Kerry Benito, which is one of my favorite bands that apparently no one else has heard of in here. No, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers. I bought okay. the seven inch Bug Snacks uh, vinyl, and it's That's her right. holding the stobby, and it's scratch and sniff, so it smells like strawberries. Oh my god. I wish I could. Yeah, it was really. Um, and I actually have the Octodad one, which is like an orange, orange seven-inch vinyl with his face on it that plays the Octodad theme. Uh, it just, they seem to get really good theme songs for their games. But yeah, that was the main push for me as well, because she's brilliant. It, it's such a, that's a perfect fit. If if you've ever listened to a character a Benito song and you liked it, that's what this game is like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Rosalie, you've been playing Deponia. Why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah, I won't go into too much uh, detail, just um, because I cannot stop playing it because, uh, well, the the whole collection, so all, I think there's four games altogether, were on sale for £3. I love point-and-click games. I've got a tattoo on my wrist of Manny from Grim Fandango, which is one of my favourite games of all time. So I was like, oh, cool, point-and-click, cool. Uh, I really don't like it. Um, oh no <laughs> no the art style is really cool the main character is an awful human being and 
uh, it's not aged very well. You went into this room and there was a character who's like the mayor's assistant or the town hall receptionist. And it is a big burly character in a dress with a five o'clock shadow. And the voice actor changes from talking in a masculine voice into a high pitched voice. And the character makes a joke about it. The female love interest is literally just called Goal. Like she's, she's the goal. Uh, it, it, I'm actually annoyed nobody warned me because I, I tweeted about it being, hey, should I get this? And I was like, yeah, it's great. And I'm like, has, any, has anyone played it recently? <laughs> I think I'm halfway through the first one, so I'm going to complete it just so I can complete it. Uh, but I was actually a bit, I seem to have really bad luck with getting games on the eShop on sale lately, but they're all just quite bad. But it's a shame because the art style is really lovely. It seems like a nice kind of um, homage to Monkey Island, which I also am a big yeah. fan of. The main character Monkey Island, he's a bit annoying but he just he's lovable he's like a lovable annoying guy guy brush uh, he's great main character in this is just really horrible and i think if you have a you know a very dialogue heavy point and click adventure you've got to have a nice main character um is it voiced dialogue yeah it is i have heard it's originally a german game um so i have oh. i saw some comments online of people saying that the way he was directed and the original voice actor, he's a more pleasant. So I don't know if some decisions were different when it came to doing the English um, dub, but it's not one I would recommend, sadly. But then there's a new Monkey Island on the horizon, so you know, we're not without good point and clicks coming out. But it was just something to be aware of because no, I, I haven't heard anyone talking about that it hasn't aged well, like. Ever. I've just seen cosplays of it and I've seen it everywhere. Um, but it really, really hasn't aged well. And I think the original only came out in 2012. And even for then, I'm a bit iffy ever to it. Because um, I spent money on it, so I just feel like I have to play them. Maybe, maybe they get better subsequently <laughs> with the sequels. Uh, but yeah, that's why I went back to playing Stardew Valley. I've started off my like 10th farm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I started a monster one where you have the bats at night. So cool. Yeah, the Deponia games are they're constantly on sale for pennies. Mm -hmm. Well not pennies, but you know. Metaphorical pennies. So I, I wonder if that's where most of their success comes from. Is it's one of those games that a lot of people own, but few people have played. Oh, good point. Because if you put something up cheap enough, people will buy it. Uh, whether or not they actually play it. I, I think there's quite yeah. a few games on all kinds of digital storefronts that have been made a lot of money for the people who made them, uh, in spite of the fact that almost nobody has actually played the game. <laughs> mm -hmm. But hey, I'm glad we had um, Tori picking bug snacks because it's like good representation, the podium, bad representation. <laughs> <laughs> and I played Chrono Cross, the, uh, the RPG PlayStation 1 port half component of the radical dreamers edition that came out on switch last month as i said when it was first announced during the nintendo direct at the beginning of the year i did not like this game when i was young and wasn't that interested in playing it then we got a review code and tori didn't want the code and andy didn't want the code so i got the code <laughs> and got stuck playing a game I said I wasn't interested in playing. 
uh, I tried to put a positive spin on it by saying, well, maybe some like 20 years difference because it, it has been that long since the last time I've really sat down and play it will have changed my mind on it. It didn't change my mind on it. I still don't like this game. <laughs> First up, I'm not going to talk about Chrono Trigger. Because uh, in the past, I've already compared it very unfavorably to Chrono Trigger. But I've also said that it's unfair to do that because Chrono Trigger is so good. Uh, and anything, well, most things look bad in comparison to Chrono Trigger. Uh, Chrono Cross is bad all by itself, so I won't acknowledge Chrono Trigger anymore except to say that this is the sequel to Chrono Trigger. Uh, I play as a character named Surge who lives in a fishing village in the El Nido archipelago. Uh, one day he's on the beach and he wanders into a portal that sends him to an alternate timeline where he died as a boy 10 years ago and has to find out how to find a way home in a world where he no longer exists. And there's a lot more going on between those two situations, and you get to a point where you can actually go back and forth between the two different worlds, because there's a whole evil plot involved in Surge's survival in the one timeline and his death in the other. It should be really interesting, but the game is so dang slow and is so obsessed with being mysterious that it never actually tells you what's going on. A lot of the time, it's not even clear what your current goal is. You just kind of have to go to where characters tell you you have to go next, even though the reason to go there next is not at all clear. I think the most notable thing about this game is the sheer number of characters that are in it. There are 45 total, I think, you can add to your party. And you got to remember, when this came out, Pokemon was still fairly new, and it only had 150. So here's Chrono Cross, a PS1 RPG with 45 characters you can add to your party. A lot of them are mutually exclusive unlocks. If you make a choice in one part of the game, then you've locked yourself out of getting a whole bunch of characters and that's where new game plus comes in because uh, the idea is to keep replaying the game over and over so you can recruit every character into your party eventually and you can get all of their unlockable techs which also have hidden requirements to get and if you do certain actions then you can't get certain ultimate techs for characters the problem is the game is so badly paced that the prospect of playing it over and over to unlock every character and get all their texts is just not at all appealing to me made even more unappealing by the fact that most of the characters are almost completely worthless statistically they are either so weak there's no point in using them or there's another character that they're basically identical to so you just go off your preference and these characters don't really have identities. There's a single stock script that all of your partners will follow uh, in every like significant story event. And they actually did create this kind of cool filter where it'll apply that character's unique way of speaking to that stock script. Like one of the main supporting characters, her name is Kid. She has an Australian accent. So it'll run it through the filter and the stock line will come out Australian somehow. It'll throw in 
like an extra phrase or she'll say drongo or something and then there'll be like another character you can recruit is a talking pink dog who has a speech impediment so all the s's will be turned into th's that's kind of cool and uh running on playstation one technology that was pretty impressive for the time but since it's all running off a stock script, the story never really changes. You never really get new insight into situations depending upon the characters that you have with you at the time. Every character basically becomes interchangeable, and all you're really using them for is for the elemental alignment that they have that makes them better or worse in certain fights. So, super disappointing characters. Uh, the battle system is where this game i just i just completely can't stand it uh, <laughs> it uses a really non-traditional rpg battling system you still take turns but each character has seven stamina that they can use each time their turn comes up and you have a number of attacks that you can do. Uh, you have your basic attack that costs one stamina, like a medium attack that costs two, and a strong attack that costs three. They each have different hit percentages. So like if you start off with your one stamina attack, your quick attack, that's the most likely to hit. Then your second attack will gain a little bit of a hit advantage. Then the third attack will gain a little bit of a hit advantage. So it's like working your way through a combo system. The hit percentages, they just flat out lie to you about what they are. I missed three 85% chances to hit in a row, and I'm told by somebody who's much better at math than I am that there's about a 0.1% chance of that happening, and this happened to me many times. So it's not just bad luck. No, this game is lying to me about what my hit, hit percentages are. Just because of the way that stamina system works, it's like dividing your attacks up into smaller chunks. So I have to get off all of my seven stamina just to deal the equivalent of a single hit in another RPG. And you can actually be interrupted in the middle of these attacks. So like I can do my quick attack, then the enemy will take a turn. Then I can do my medium attack, then the enemy will take a turn. Then I'll take do my strong attack, and then the enemy will take a turn. So in the time it takes me to finish using up all of one character's stamina, the entire enemy party potentially can take a turn. Did I mention this game is terribly paced? It is so boring just watching these battles because they take so freaking long, even if you have an advantage. And then there's how the tech works. The uh, There's no magic in this game because this was from an era when Squaresoft was just really invested in finding ways to have magic in their rpgs but not have magic points this came out around the same time as final fantasy 8 another rpg i freaking hate every time that you hit with one of your attacks then you build up tech charges and you can equip uh tech elements to each character's tech tree and like, if you build up seven tech points, then you can cast your level seven tech spells, and you can only cast them once in each fight. So, or I'm, on most of my characters, I'm just loading them up with healing spells, so I can actually have healing spells to heal my characters with, because it's not just a matter of just having the mana and casting the healing spell. No, you have to have the tech spells assigned to do it and if you need to heal five times in a battle you need to assign five different healing techs to your characters and that's not even to get into the damage and this stamina system 
is supposed to work on a one-to-one comparison between all the characters like when one of my characters uses one of their stamina then another the other characters will roughly regenerate another one of their stamina which works fine when your entire party is up where it all goes off the rails is when one of your members of your party goes down because then you're not having an equilibrium in your stamina regeneration. And many times I got to a point where I would have characters with zero stamina and they would just regenerate one point so I could just do a quick attack, then their turn was over. Then the next character, he would have one stamina, he'd use a quick attack, then his turn would be over and just back and forth and back and forth in a just a cycle of pain and annoyance that I just could not escape because this game is just the, the battle system is just so badly made uh, really don't like it uh, in the port they've put in these really high quality not just new textures but new character models and this game visually was already at strong point uh, the the problem is the frame rate the frame rate, especially in the battles, is really slow. So you're taking a game that I've already described in many places as being badly paced, and now we're running it at 20 frames a second. So I don't like Chrono Cross. My mind is unchanged after 20 years, and I'm glad I finally beat this game so I can say that I've beaten it, and I never have to touch it again. So I guess you didn't like it then. <laughs> it's bad game. Bad, bad game. <laughs> I, I feel no compunction to be generous or thoughtful about this game. It's just badly made, it badly considered, badly designed. Like <laughs> it, it was a, it was an experiment that failed. My um my nerd shame is that I haven't played the first one, Chrono Trigger, despite the fact that I love Final Fantasy and I love Akira to- Akira Toriyama. <laughs> it's just one of those things that one day, one day, one day. Yeah, that that seems to be the case. Like, uh, it was quite expensive back in the day, so I'm hoping they're gonna put out a port of it, or like there might even be a remake of it coming out soon. I don't know. It, it feels like the winds are going in that direction because Live Alive is getting a remake. It was from the mm-hmm. same era, and they put out a port of Chrono Cross. I'm hoping that we just get a basic port of the original Chrono Trigger before the remake because they did that with Trials of Mana, but. Who knows? There was a but... mobile port uh, yeah. of that has updated graphics, but people, I remember there was a big issue at the time. But I've been—I'm I'm not going to play full price <laughs> for a mobile game, so I've been kind of patiently waiting for some sort of um, re-release and um, properly like get into it. But I know I'm going to love it because I love old old school um, JRPGs, and again, I love Akira Toriyama and I love Final Fantasy. Uh, so I can wait. I can wait. Now, Chrono Trigger is the best Final Fantasy game in many ways. <laughs> Even though it's not called Final Fantasy, I'm going to pretend it's a Final Fantasy game. Uh, and I think like this was like 15 years ago or something now, or maybe it was even longer ago than that. It was right after the DS port came out. The subject, they, they were talking with one of the directors in Square, at Square Enix, and the subject of a Chrono Trigger sequel came up. And he said, uh, I always hear people say how much they love Chrono Trigger, but the sales don't reflect that. So... It's interesting that uh, multiple people who've been on this podcast now have said, "Oh, I, I I've heard a lot about Chrono Trigger, but I've never played it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I even remember it being really cool back in the day. But um, I mean, JRPGs especially were just 
really expensive and sometimes mm. not something your family would pick up. They'd probably go with something well. more Mario Kart or, you know, something that everybody could enjoy. So it was just one of those ones that just kind of never got into my collection. But um, well, Chrono Trigger never even came out in Europe. You guys didn't get it until the virtual console. Oh, uh, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, there was an import shop near me. So oh, okay. had an that would have done. Coffee, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of my friends had all the sorts of chipped consoles and things, naughty, naughty. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really want to go back to it. I, I kind of want Akira Toriyama to do more um, another game with his art because there was Blue Dragon that he did the artwork for as well, and, like mm. character designs. And I just, he's really cool. <laughs> I like Dragon Ball a lot, so I like whenever he kind of contributes to something. All right. So, uh, what are we playing in the coming week, Tori? Let's start with you. Bug snacks. Mm. <laughs> Yay! Uh, it's got its hooks yeah, in rough. me, so definitely playing. It's got its buggy pincers <laughs> digging into your skin. I didn't want to say it like mm. that, but yeah. <laughs> Infecting you with their vegetable influence. Vegetable venom. Tori will show up next week, and she's a turnip. <laughs> anyway that's kind of how it happens in the game so. <laughs> yeah and rosalie what are you playing uh my partner has got time off work because it's his birthday coming up and so whenever that happens we are going to crack open uh mario party superstars which was mm. the latest mario party game on the switch um because it's one of the mario party games which is very nostalgic heavy where all the mini games are from the original I think one, two, and three mainly. The uh, good ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we really enjoy it. The only thing is, it still only has four boards, which I think is really annoying in this day and age. Um, they didn't do any DLC for the Mario Party previous to that, which only also had about four boards. So I'm like, uh, that's the only. That's my literally my only negative about it is it just doesn't feel mm-hmm. like there's enough on it. But it's it's so fun. Um, so yeah, I'll be playing that. And I'm going to play a strategy RPG called Star Renegades, or I I have been playing it, but I'll I'll finally talk about it next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Enfocus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Also make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Also be sure to join our Discord server. You can interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. You can find the links for all of these in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him at PlayCritically on Twitter or check out his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. You can follow myself at Stew2, S-T-W-T-W-O and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Tori S-T-W, all one word. Also check out Rosalie on Twitter at Lil Record Girl. That's L-I-L Record Girl.
their main claim to fame, the main came this. I can't talk. The main claim to fame in this game. That's a terrible line. It rhymes so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh,